I feel excited by the fact that we got 22 responses to this poll. It's blowing my mind. Welcome back to Check This Please, the podcast where we're reading through the webcomic Check Please, talking about it strip by strip in order to assess what went wrong with this comic in its overarching narrative situation. However, we won't be talking about that specifically today because today we're doing a special episode to celebrate finishing out our review of the first one-eighth of Biddy's time at college. I'm Secret OMG, who's with me to celebrate our accomplishment of one semester of podcasting. Hi, I'm Tomato, and I don't have exciting birthday parties, but I am excited to talk about this very special episode. We're gonna say the word special several times. So what are we talking about today? A topic that on the poll we took, we called our favorite weird fanfics. However, I'm not sure this topic is completely tenable. So we're going to spend some time talking about what Check Please fanfic means to us. We conducted a poll. We had 22 respondents, which is more people than I've personally interacted with in the past four months by a power of 22. This was the overwhelming winner, Weird Fantics. The other topics that we put up were uh, coming, in a, coming in a close second with five enthusiastic uh, voters was something we called Wankarama, colon, FFA. So we were going to talk a little bit about Check Please threads on the anonymous fandom meme, Fail Fandomanon. And then we had a narrow third place with four people voting for a listener Q&A, where we would clear out our Tumblr inbox and maybe solicit some other Q&As to cover in this episode. We had a fourth category. We talk about our own fanfics, which received zero votes. <laughs> but yeah, 60%, 60% of voters wanted to hear us talk about weird fanfics. That's where we're at. That's how we got here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this, especially because I don't know the last time I was deeply satisfied by a Check, Please fanfic. This fandom, not that weird, actually. Don't know the last time I saw, I don't know, some wing fic or something. As you know, Secret has been in a supremely weird fandom before. And I've been in some fandoms, including kind of sci-fi classics like Stargate Atlantis, um, which are full of just like weird and wacky sci-fi-esque, often weird sexual things that Check Please just like doesn't really get into that deeply. So we wanted to start off by talking about what we meant when we said weird fanfic. And I think as soon as we began to realize that this topic was going to win the poll and we had to figure out a way to approach this, we began to consider that maybe the concept of weird was something that we needed to define. And possibly that required talking a bit about what Check Please fanfic is like in general. Bullet point number one under the question on the outline, what is weird fanfic, just says, I'm stupid. What I want to make clear is that we're not here to make fun of or like what they call spork fanfics. 
our goal is not to shit on or trash any kind of fanfic. I guess what I'm trying to say is that like I come to fanfic to have something I feel about a canon or a character satisfied. And that is something that is different to me than quality for its own sake. I feel like I have a pretty holistic appreciation for fanfic and I'm not in the business of just like shitting on them because they don't fit some sort of, you know, abstract paradigm of like what good is. I don't need to stand on a soapbox in front of a bunch of other people who are into fandom and talk about like what good fiction means. But when we even say things like objectively good, I mean, it's hard to necessarily even define what that is, right? And I think it's even harder when it comes to fandom because fandom writing isn't just a good story. It's also a story that's in conversation with a canon and with all other fan writing about that piece that's been written thus far, or at least that the author has interacted with. That's part of what makes it so interesting is that you get to read these characters or some approximation of these characters in lots and lots of different circumstances butting up against different challenges or different experiences. And then you get to see kind of writers in conversation with each other, pinging off each other. So one person will write one story and then someone else will be inspired by that and write something else. This happens in professional writing and literature writing as well, as well as other kinds of genre writing. But it's way less obvious. The conversation moves way more slowly. I come fairly holistically, but really I'm, I'm in fanfic for the writing a lot of the time. The writing doesn't have to be like objectively good, quote unquote. It needs to hit something in my sense of style or character that gets me really excited. So I think I have a slightly different approach. I've also followed writers from fandom to fandom because of their writing, and that's not an experience that you have secret. So we definitely have different experiences, but not here to make fun of fanfic. Even if I personally don't enjoy it, I usually think it should exist and should be being written. I would define a weird fanfic as something that is atypical or unexpected or not a natural fit for a fandom or a pairing. And as a corollary to that, when I think of weird fanfics, there's this category of fanfics that I would describe as having a thought process behind the story that doesn't follow like linear logic in a way that doesn't seem to be a deliberate choice by the author for stylistic or narrative purposes. The cause and effect structure of the story seems to follow an atypical process. There's a pair of South Park stories that define this for me. This is a very old story. It had to have been written in what, like 2006, 2007. I didn't even pull it up. People who know me from South Park fandom have heard me talk about these fics before. The first one is called Rescue Me. The sequel story is called something I can't pronounce because it's in Portuguese, but it translates to though it may cost me my life. And the first story is about how... Stan and Kyle fall in love. And then the second story is about their twin sons falling in love. The way that this narrative progresses just like does not mirror the way that anybody I have ever met in real life actually thinks about anything. None of the twists in the story follow any kind of like inherent logical pattern. Things just sort of like 
happen. It's kind of not unlike check please in that way. What strikes me about this fic is that it seems as though the writer of the story is unaware how atypical and how illogical this thought process is. It seems like the author is writing it completely sincerely. It's not like a, you know, my immortal seeming situation where it's possible that the author is making fun of something or being parodical or trying to, you know, titillate or sensationalize It really is just like somebody earnestly believes that this is a beautiful, compelling love story about how these two South Park characters adopted twin children and then encouraged them to fall in love with each other. That's not something that I support in the real world. But as a piece of fiction, it's really interesting. And there's something like fascinating and like compelling about it just because it's so strange. And when I say strange, I really don't mean bad. It's not like a high quality piece of writing. Like several chapters of the fic are in the character of the children when they're babies and it's written in baby talk dialect. So it's not good in any objective sense. But it doesn't matter if it's good, because that kind of heightens, like, the weird affect of the story overall. And it's something that I just come back to over and over again, thinking about, like, what is so great in, like, the weirdness of fandom. A lot of people may disagree with me that this is, like, evidence of a positive quality of some kinds of fanfic. But that's what I mean when I say weird. I don't hate this story. I'm not morally against this story. I'm not interested in making fun of it. There's just something really bizarre about it that's like fascinating in a positive way. I also want to draw the connection to, just briefly, the term weird fiction, which is a term that has been around for a while and is one of the speculative umbrellas of fiction. In fandom, you can kind of push on the sort of meaning of weird fiction, which is usually a kind of fiction which is questioning reality in some way and often has elements of genre in it, but may not be fully in any particular genre. Weird fiction is also often kind of borrowing from absurdism and from literary fiction and from high concept fiction. It's one of those things that you can kind of define the way that you want. Um, And there've been anthologies and so on of this kind of fiction. But I think one of the things that you can think about weird fan fiction as, and part of what I'm interested in, is this sense of commentary on other fictions. So that's not quite what this story is doing. Although every time you describe the story to me, I like completely get excited about how bananas it is and in a really good way. Like I like I have never read it, but I'm I just think it's incredible. And so I'm really interested in how people can use fanfic to comment on sort of tropes in the fandom or comment on tropes in the canon and push back against them. I think for me, that's part of what can make an atypical or unexpected piece of fanfic really exciting is that it's questioning the boundaries of what kinds of stories are being told about 
these characters. And often I have found that when something feels sort of atypical at the outset, I then get really into it as a reading of the character to the point where sometimes it becomes integrated into my reading of the characters entirely. So there's something exciting about looking at a fluffy romance between two hockey players and then asking, what if they're miserable all the time? And then seeing what happens when you play with that. Yeah, if you've, if you've listened to our 19 previous episodes, and if you consider, if you continue listening to the rest of the episodes in this podcast, you know, after this one, which maybe I'll just decide to quit right here. Maybe you already turned it off when I said twin sons falling in love. I think something that we sort of mutually agree on is that the atypical and the unexpected can be just like really marvelous and like really sublime. And I can tell you a list of like kinks or tropes or like itty elements or whatever that come to mind for me when I think of, you know, ooh, what do I really want to see? But the fact is, maybe this is me getting at why a lot of exchanges don't work for me. The best and most sublime experience I have in reading fan fiction is when somebody gives me something that I had no idea I was anticipating or would have wanted to see. I would not have known how to ask for it. That's the best. Most people who are writing quote-unquote, good fiction, are doing so with the intention of fitting into a set of expectations for what good fanfic is, which means you're less likely to surprise somebody. And, like, I include myself in that. Like, I've probably been in the Chuck Blues fandom at this point for too long to, like, write that kind of fic. Whereas the first couple fics I wrote before I had done anything in this fandom, I didn't have a place and I wasn't thinking about how I fit into the fandom as a whole. I just wrote whatever made sense to me. And that's how you end up you know, with Jack and Biddy using vinaigrette as lube, I guess. I love that fic. We'll get to it. Ugh, it would burn. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Well, anyway, we'll get to it. I think there's something amazing about fic that teaches me something or shows me something about a character that I wasn't sure that I knew before. The things that I write and the things that I enjoy writing are almost always because I'm trying to answer a question for myself. And I feel like the fic that opens up questions for me or answers questions I didn't even know I had is the fic that I remember and get really excited about. There's lots of fic that I enjoy, but the fic that really, really, really sticks with me is fic that I didn't know could exist, but that answered a question that I'm interested in in some way. From 2014 to 2016, before Zimbits in canon, a lot of fic was pretty speculative. Um, a lot of the fics kind of deal with the what would happen if Jack and Biddy get together or if they don't. Yeah, so my general observation is that the moment at which Zimbits became canon marks 
the end of the kind of first era of Check, Please fanfic and a sort of secondary era began after that. Even within like the first and second semester of the comic, it was very clear if you were paying attention to the author that Jack and Biddy would ultimately end up getting together. The questions were about how and what circumstances and when. That early era of Check, Please fanfic all basically asks the question of what is this going to look like when it does happen? And I feel like the ultimate concept behind most of these fics is like a positive outcome, but usually the journey to get there in these fanfics feels pretty fraught. So, for example, I've noticed that questions about Jack's mental illness and the fact that he is closeted usually present themselves as roadblocks to Zimbits getting together within fanfics. Like, Jack and Biddy, these fics posits, can't be together because... Jack is too messed up, and he can't be out. How will they eventually work through this source of conflict? I would point to fix like the nature of the wound, which is by somebody whose current handle on AO3 is Desync, and something called Maybe I'm Waking Up by another author named Idrilka. These are fics that basically center around the idea that, like, Zimbits is going to be canon, but the most likely outcome is that Jack is going to go into the NHL without getting into a relationship with Biddy, and he's going to need to balance all of these disparate tensions within his life to try to, like, eke out a way to have a relationship with Biddy. After Zimbits became canon, you did. I think you stopped seeing so many fix like this coming through. And the two that I've named are really sort of like the two most prominent ones that were being wrecked like repeatedly when I was getting into the fandom in 2016. But I haven't really read a fic like that that's been published really since then. These were all fics that seemed to have been written already at the point when I got into the fandom. Something else that I saw a lot more of during this era was that there seemed to be much better integration of the friend group dynamic, and you tended to get sort of like Ransom and Holster and shitty Lardo elements supporting the Zimbits, will they, won't they, or how will they rather in the middle of the story, oftentimes with these characters being like adjuncts to the formation of the Zimbits relationship. I also have a distinct memory of the Jack knew first trope, which was not supported in canon. And and I think that we can see that as the canon develops. Obviously, the fic being written changes too. And I'm curious to see, as we continue to kind of think about the comic as a whole, what maybe we can draw from that. Of course, for things like the friend dynamic, it's way harder to integrate a friend dynamic when the friend group is sprawling and includes multiple sort of generations of hockey players, some of whom you know better than others. It's really difficult to write about the interiority of a love interest character when that character is 
for some reason or another, slowly disappearing from canon as, you know, a person with a personality. So it's really interesting to kind of see how the way the canon develops changes what people think is possible or are interested in exploring. I think there's something really interesting about the way that things are confirmed or not confirmed in canon lead to different kinds of speculation and then like slowly close the speculation as things are confirmed or otherwise explored. My observation is that before Zimbits became canon, there was a ton of this very atmospheric Jack Parsfic that was almost like vignette-like in character of sort of trying to name or draw a shape around the feelings that would have been attendant in this very short, but presumably very tumultuous and very passionate relationship that this powder keg of like 34 perfect days between two incredibly high intensity, high emotion events really lent itself to authors spending like a couple thousand words really like drawing out these like very heightened emotions, usually centered around like one afternoon. It's not that people after Zimbits got together have abandoned this ship or a fascination with this period of time and sort of like pre-canon. But I think that the way that people are writing this has shifted. I've seen a lot more, say, character studies, long drawn out, blow by blow, sort of archaeological investigation of, you know, exactly what might have been happening or filling in the gaps that canon doesn't have. I think there's less of an emphasis on this sort of like vignette sort of like thinky-feely, you know, we're living inside of one heightened moment. Those short explorations of one moment were not that present for Jack and Biddy at this time. That tended to be more speculative. And now I would say after Simbits becomes canon, we see a lot more kind of call them almost exploded diagrams of a particular moment or conversation. But rather than the heightened atmospheric emotions being explored in Jack Parsfix that took place during those 34 days, there's a lot of kind of domestic exploration, like Jack and Biddy and their kid go to the mall or whatever. You've also mentioned, and I agree that there was like some crazy sex written about various PBJ dynamics. I had dipped into the Check Please fanfic, found it not necessarily to my taste for various reasons, and then like stumbled across a couple PBJ things and was like, oh, there is something interesting about these characters. Yeah, I mean, I can think of several different notable either one-off fix or series that are just basically like, you know, R or NC-17 rated Jack, Biddy, Parse, like, fucking dumb sub-dynamics, lots of, like, one person goading the other person to do something to the third person. I think they speak to the triangulation of tension that was evident from the moment that Parse was introduced. And did some kind of interesting character work. I mean, not that sex has to do character work, but I think it was doing some kind of like really interesting character work that maybe never quite made it into canon. So I'm interested to think about the ways that that 
dynamic doesn't exist as much anymore, even though I'm still thinking about crazy PBJ sex at any opportunity. That doesn't necessarily seem to be the case in the fandom overall. Um, so I also think thinking about what weird fanfic is and kind of how it shifts over time as the, as the collective id of the fandom works together to build particular tropes or particular interest in tropes or dynamics is, is kind of interesting. Because I wouldn't have called PBJ like dynamics necessarily weird, but I do think that they might be more in that category now that the fandom is largely separated into various tracks and PBJ isn't one of the most popular tracks. We have this moment in February 2016 in real life, our timeline, where Zimbits becomes canon within the fandom. The fandom explodes and like draws in a lot of new readers. Everything that's written from that point forward is written with the backdrop of canon Zimbits being a given. And we know how it happens and it sort of closes off a lot of strategies that people had been using previously to try to tell stories. So what I have observed following canon Zimbits and extending out to now, four years later, is that you get tons and tons of AUs, shitloads of these like very short one-shot fluff fix that are centered around like single moments of Zimbit's intimacy, future fic that are like variations on what I guess people call curtain fic or domestic fic about like what Jack and Biddy's kids are like or what their wedding is like or whatever. There's this like weird proliferation of other like parse ships, parse tater fanfics, and then a wave I think that we're still sort of in of like parse and random Las Vegas Aces teammate fix. Jeff possibly swoops Troy is, I guess, this character's name. But, like, it could be anybody. It's fucking nobody. It's, like, not a real character. My caveat here is that my sort of reading interest within Check, Please is the triangulation dynamic around Jack, Biddy, and Parse. Those are the three people I'm deeply concerned about in terms of my Check, Please, like, transformative Sandworks life. I'm secondarily interested in the sort of original Samwell men's hockey crew. So, you know, Ransom Holster, Lardo, and Shitty. I don't really know what's happening with, uh, you know, interesting tertiary and quartiary character dynamics. But I think we can dig into what's happening with surface level Jack Biddy world. I have similar reading interests. I am interested in the frogs, or I have the potential to be interested in the frogs. I even have the potential to be interested in the tadpoles or like who the fuck ever. But often those fic follow the similar tropes here. I think the proliferation of curtain fic in this fandom happens to be something that doesn't really hit my id. Like, I'll take a a curtain fic any day if it's doing something for me that's really exciting about the characters. But the older I get and, like, the weirder my own life becomes, the less interested I am in, you know, characters 
proverbially buying curtains or whatever. And so it happens that I haven't stumbled across a lot of uh, fic involving these other characters that really excite me. Although someday somebody is going to write a Dex fic about Maine that I care about and I'm very excited for it. That day hasn't happened yet and who knows when, but maybe. Have you read the fic by, I guess their current handle is Medrick, about, it's a 1950s coal miner AU? No, I haven't, but that does seem like a thing I'd be into. Uh, it's the only Dex nursey fic. I like it all. And I will say that one thing about it that I find very appealing, and this is like an awful thing to say about a Dex nursey fic, the most appealing thing about this fic is that Jack is just like an alcoholic. Like, he's a side character and he is a fucking mess and um, in like a disgusting way. And I find the grittiness of this fic combined with like how well researched it is really appealing. I got to get a link to that later because that sounds like the kind of stuff. I also will say that I left one part of my life and started another part of my life a couple of years ago. And my fanfic reading and writing has been drastically impacted by that. And I'm only now starting to like get back into reading fanfic after a couple of years of not reading very much fanfic or reading the same sort of like three fanfics over and over that weren't even in check, please. They were like, I don't know. Stargate Atlantis fix that I first read at age 15 and just rereading them. So my experience of reading fanfic has been truncated the past few years as well. So take me with a grain of salt. But I can talk about what I have experienced. And obviously I'm still writing fanfic, so I'm still thinking about these characters. Yeah, this this uh, coal miner fic is called Strange Lovers. Fan lore defines it as uh, a fan work which changes one or more elements of the source work's canon. And I felt because... We're probably going to talk about fanfic again on this podcast at some point, so let's just dig into what that means. A lot of fics in the Check, Please fandom were being written as canon was being established. So, like, a lot of fics in this fandom were previously, like, canon upholding, but they've since been jossed or sort of, like, become a U by default, but they weren't written that way. I'm not really thinking about that as an AU. More am I thinking about things that sort of exist in the gaps of like established canon. Kent Parsons' family dynamic has never been actually established, so it would be very difficult to write an AU about that in the strictest sense because there's nothing to go on. So just making something up doesn't make something an AU. All of this comes with the corollary that canon in this fandom is like a relatively unstable concept because as we've discussed on this podcast many times, things are sort of behind paywalls and scattered across different sites and collated in like multiple different ways. So it can be difficult for people to sort of know 
what's been even said and established about the characters and like where to find that. In terms of an AU being something that inherently challenges canon, this is a fandom where you have to be a little bit forgiving of what people consider to be canon in the first place. I've ID'd maybe like three different kinds of subcategories of AUs that I tend to see in Check Please fandom. So there's tropey AUs where the entire fic has an overlay of a certain kind of trope. EBO or alpha, beta, omega sort of mating patterns is one kind of trope that makes a fic AU. There are demon AUs, such as from like, you know, the Philip Pullman book series. His Dark Materials. The Golden Compass, whatever, yeah. Um, the, the Subtle Knife and... I forget what the last one is about angels and there's gay angels. And that was very important to me, age 10. Anyway, let's move on. One of them called the, I've read all of these books, but like nothing about them stuck with me at all. Is one of them called the Amber Spyglass? Yes. One of the books has like a different name in the UK versus the US. I think. That seems likely. I feel, so the A Subtle Knife is the second one. I think the Amber Spyglass might be the third one, but hang on, I'm going to look right now because I've got to know. doesn't matter. Point being, there's like, I've read a couple different fics in this fandom that are like, all the characters have a demon, you know, like a little animal that essentially functions as its soul. The Golden Compass is the Golden Compass in the US, and I think it's the Northern Lights in the UK. Anyway, yeah, I love demon fic when I think they're good. <laughs> You've also mentioned a couple other AUs here, including Rent Boy slash Camboy slash Hooker AUs, which is a classic fandom trope. Time shift AUs, like these characters, but it's Regency. And also gay people can have marriages of convenience often, or it's the 1950s and Jack has greaser hair or something. Another trope that I see very often in Check Please is soul bond fic. Like that's a trope AU that I think is really, really common. After these sort of tropey AUs, I think there's a subcategory or another subcategory of AU fic that are like high concept AUs that can be structured as like, check please, but it's... So like, check please, but it's a punk band. One of us has written that. (laughs) Check please, but it's like a Cirque du Soleil style acrobat troupe. Check please, but everybody is disabled and they all play sledge hockey. A really easily explained scenario where you essentially take all of the details of the check please canon and oftentimes in these stories, all of the plot points as well. And you just paste on like they're doing something else. So like in that punk band AU, which by the way has been deleted from AO3. So if you want to find it, you're going to have to go to the Wayback Machine. It's called Baking is Punk as Fuck. It follows like, you know, Biddy meets this group of people that have a sort of subculture he's not really familiar with and is sort of intimidated by. And he is not a punk musician. He is a classical pianist. So Jack has to like train him up to get like good enough to be in the punk band. And then Kent Parson 
Jack's ex-boyfriend who got like mainstream commercial success like shows up and is in kind of like some sort of Green Day level outfit or something. And it just follows like all of the beats of the story of Check, Please. But like instead it's a punk band. That's what I mean with high concept. It's like Check, Please, but it's and then you just like swap in anything. And then finally you have AUs that are essentially canon divergent AUs. So like everything is going the same up until a certain point where the story skews. So a story where Jack didn't overdose and then everything from that point follows as it would have had he not overdosed or Biddy doesn't go to Samwell or Biddy graduates from Samwell and goes into the NHL or Jack and Biddy don't get together and they have to come back together later. Any point at which there's like an inflection within canon changing what happens at that point changes the entire story. That's a canon divergent AU. And I see a good number of those, although not as many as the like, check please, but it's... I also want to shout out the obvious, I would say semi-AU, like full to semi-AU involving bakeries because of Biddy's Baking. So sometimes it will be check please, but it's a bakery. And sometimes it will be check please characters, one of whom works in or owns a bakery and then other people of whom sort of like are ringed around with various adjacency to canon. And then sometimes it's like Biddy goes on nailed it and or whatever. And so then it's uh, completely AU. And bakery AUs and coffee shop AUs are already a fandom staple in many fandoms. So it just happens that they are particularly interesting to this fandom. Many people you learn in Check, Please! fandom don't really know very much about um, the dining industry. Or baking. Or pies. All sorts of things that people could learn but haven't. That's, that's fine, though. I write about things I don't know about all the time. Aside from AUs, like I said, you get a lot of these like short, one-shot, fluff fix that are basically like a moment in the, the lifetime of Jack and Biddy. And they're always like a hundred, no, they're always like 1100 words. They're always just like Jack and Biddy are in bed, like eating a slice of pie and they love each other and the light is hitting somebody's thigh in a certain way. It's, it's just all about like this one moment where we love each other, just like in, in this bed, eating this pie, rainy Saturday on the couch. It's like a fucking, it's like a, these are like, it's like a, if one illustration from a huddle zine, like came to life as like an 1100 word fanfic, they are always 1100 words. I think a lot of the social media formal aspect of fic that was common while the Twitter was still open. So pre, so 2016 and before tends to get shuffled into this version. I think social media fic is not as common as it used to be, although it's still around. And a lot of these sort of one shot fluff fics that I have come across tend to be like, Jack and Biddy have a text conversation about their boundaries and it goes great. You know, social media fic and sort of epistolary or documentation or multimedia fic is still around. It tends to get filtered through this rather than into longer canon adjacent fic. 
Then we have Future Fix. Their kid asks them a cute question and they both give like a cute answer and everybody loves each other and that's the end of the fic. Their wedding day is very special. It's like the plot of the fic. I will contend that much as people don't know that much about pies, they're not that great with kids either. And that's fine. And then, yeah, I also wrote down this thing about the proliferation of other parships. Man, I, you know, I don't really have anything to say about the tater right now. Maybe when we finish the next semester, I'll put just like special app on the tater on the poll just to make us squirm. Uh, that would be a difficult one for me because I think I've read about three potato fix in my life and it's all because they were written by a friend and I was like, well, I love you and I think your writing is cool. So let me check it out rather than my interest in the ship um, itself. I will also say that I think something that's really interesting about this fandom, which I haven't necessarily experienced in other fandoms to the same extent, is how wide the gaps are between the different tracks of like Zimbits fic versus parse jack fic versus the frog fix and i think that's probably because of the sprawling nature of the friend group but in other fandoms i've been in that have multiple ships they tend to like pop in and out of each other's fix much more and that we saw that with the that first half like the first iteration of checklist fanfic where holster and ransom would come into a zimbits fic or vice versa and i think that that's way less common now like now you're this really strong like central pairing and then very little mention that other people exist i don't know if you have also seen that but that's what i have stumbled across yeah, I would say I have no idea what's going on in like Dex Nursey or like Chowder Subcanon or whatever sub fandom. Like, I, you know, I don't know what's going on with people who ship stuff that's sort of outside of my primary interest. I think Tumblr to a certain extent proliferates this kind of like disunity it's like how would i even you know i i don't necessarily want somebody with like a whiskey focused blog to be like part of what's coming up for me clogging up my friends list so how would i even know like what's going on there yeah i don't know yeah everything feels very fragmented but yeah i mean i think certainly you know the comic has had a de-emphasis of the group dynamic that's so much of what we've been talking about in covering the first semester of the comic like the formation of a group dynamic that seven years later on the other end of the creation of the comic process has just like been completely overlooked and almost entirely swept to the side. So if I were getting into Shock Please fandom now, the idea that like this core friendship group exists and interrelationships within that group were unique and interesting, like I, I don't know how would you even access that? You know, when I was getting into the fandom, Jack and Shitty had, you know, recently in the comic timeline graduated, but everything felt a bit more integrated. And it felt like this was a story about a group of people. Now, you know, it just feels like a story about, you know, one main couple and here's some other people who populate the background of their marriage proposal. The power dynamic between Biddy and the people around him at the beginning of the comic versus the end. That's really interesting. All right. Well, that's something to explore another time. I hate to say it, but I really just like want to be pleasantly surprised. 
Like I, you know, I just signed up for heartbreak fast. Coming up with prompts was really hard. And doing this episode, thinking through this has basically got me kind of understanding that maybe part of why it's hard to come up with prompts is because I really don't want to just dictate, give me a fic that has this and this and this and that. I want somebody to kind of organically create something that I didn't even know that I wanted. So figure it out, tomato. (laughs) I'm really interested in fic that leans into absurdity. I think that earnestness is very lovely and that is really common in this fandom, but I want people to just like push conceits as far as they will go. That's my dream. Just like weird shit and then make it weirder. I can't necessarily tell you like what weird shit. I'll take any weird shit, but that's what I really want. Yeah, I agree with that. Jack, like subbing used to be a big thing or it was around the time that I was getting into the fandom. I feel like people have not written very much of that lately and that's most of what I'm into. I am really into Jack Parse stuff, but I feel like the Jack Parse people who are around and writing now have kind of skewed in also a kind of domestic direction. It's not that I dislike domestic fic, but to me, what's appealing about domestic fic is not like, oh, everybody's getting along in the domus. It's like, well, what are the tensions when you're bound up together with somebody in like a cohabitation situation? And uh, that's not really getting written. I'm just into also like weird shit. So if somebody came along and wrote some like cracked out AU, you know, I never thought about being into something set in, you know, like a, an 18th century Molly house or whatever. Uh, ah. Somebody please write that. I want to read it. It's like, oh, you want to write a Regency AU, do you? Give me a <laughs> Molly House. <laughs> like, mother claps. Molly House, H-A-U-S. Like, you know, just that's what I came up with off the top of my head. But, um... Yeah, some weird shit like that, where it's just like, you know what? I never thought I wanted to read about whatever, but somebody just brought it, and that's great. Once I wrote a fanfic about um, Frodo seducing George Washington, and you want to know what? Okay. (laughs) I will say something that I have noticed about this fandom that I miss from other fandoms is people taking completely bananas concepts and then playing them straight and seeing what happens. Certainly there's a certain amount of like, okay, let's take a concept and like roll it out and play with it in this fandom as there are in all fandoms. But I haven't seen a lot of like, (laughs) yeah, let me just take these completely wild and unexpected to the point of bizarro world (laughs) like concepts and then just pushed on them and been like, how does Jack come with this up his ass? Do you know what I mean? Also, I'm obviously into Jack subbing. Also, wait, more fic that I want? Okay, I just, I read Jack as autistic. This is something about how I relate to this character and think about this character. And I feel like that used to be a more common thread and for various reasons has been dropped. And I really want that to come back. I find that like a really meaningful and interesting exploration of the character 
even though I no longer think it, it's meant to be the case in canon, which I did at one point think. But I want it, and I'm sad that it's not as around, and I want to see it. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. I always really enjoyed the sort of is Jack autistic thread. I think at this point it's obvious that he's not meant to be in canon, but you know, again, I don't think it's ever been specifically established that he isn't. You know, there's no scene in the comic where he goes up to Biddy and is like, listen, I'm not autistic. So, you know, write it. And This is something where when this was a big idea that like a lot of people were sharing, it always expressed itself in the form of like bullet point headcanons that weren't very satisfying to me. So it would be like, Jack loves stimming. He loves saying the word au pair over and over again to himself. I wish you would write this like as a fan fiction. I wish you would make this into a story where you get inside of his motivations and his thought process and how this bears down on his everyday life. I'm also, you know, I'm interested in hearing about like how characters integrate hardships or difficulties into their lived experience because, you know, uh, I, I realize that everything in the world has been fine for most people recently just on a daily basis, everything's going great. So I know this is going to sound crazy, but um, sometimes in life, bad things happen. And I think something that's really interesting is how people deal with those things because life is hard. I mean, not for me, of course, everything's perfect and beautiful. It's interesting to read about how characters deal with trying situations. And I think that part of why I'm responding to this canon with like a burning desire to just see things going very badly is because that's not what happens in canon. So I don't need to read fix about like Jack and Biddy have quiet domestic moments of intimacy that are loving and mutually supportive because the canon is already giving me that. Whereas in other fandoms I've been in, a completely different style of fanfic emerges. Yeah, a lot of my fandoms previous to Check Please have been deeply, ridiculously, like, traumatic situations happening over and over again to people with, like, action hero powers or whatever, and that leads to a completely different kind of fic. What I will say is that I would potentially be interested in that kind of thing those kind of questions about Biddy and Jack and their domestic space, if the context of the fic is sufficiently different from canon such that I desire like thinking about domestic peace and domestic intimacy, Um, because for whatever reason, the circumstances of the world that characters have been placed in doesn't allow that of them. Like I'm interested in that. I'm also always interested in stories about homophobia and like how it impacts characters and how they deal with it in their interior lives and in the exterior. That is not something that Check Please has given me enough of, I think. Certainly it was being explored and is being explored in different ways, but I always like am up for more interesting explorations of that. I also will say that there isn't enough fic about Jack's dad. As you'll hear from me in this episode, I think he's like a creepy old man. 
you know, he probably traumatizes a lot of people. And, you know, it's sexy to read about. Yeah. I feel somewhat similar, although I have a different focus maybe for the way that I like thinking about it. But yeah, I want to read about Jack's, I like really want to think about how bad Bob is not a good father, even though he's trying in like any capacity. Maybe someday MFA fic will become a reality and I can like just roll around in it over and over again thinking about Bad Bob. Maybe someday I'll get my act together and write Death Eater Bad Bob, which I hope to because I don't know, that's a dream of mine. Even in canon where he's like, seems to be a perfectly fine dad, Jack is clearly fucked up about it in some capacity. And I just like love, I really love fic. One of the things I'm really, really interested in in fic are the explorations of situations in which no one can have a right answer and multiple people come with multiple answers to the same problem and those answers do not necessarily align and neither of them are wrong. So I'm really interested in like, what does it look like if Jack's father is, for example, raising an autistic child and doesn't know what that means or looks like or what he can do to support his son? That's traumatic for both people, but neither person is coming into that situation trying to traumatize the other person. Alternately, maybe Jack just wants to have sex with his dad. It's complicated. Yeah, uh, I, I actually agree with all of that. And I find, or at least I think, that all of the fic I've actually written about Jack's dad and his parents, like, fall into that category. Just to be totally clear, if I ever, like, say something is sexy, I don't think I can use that word sincerely. It's never I'm, like, using it on the level Yeah, yeah, I know that. Okay, so the fic that I was actually thinking of when I proposed this episode is a two-fic series called Mon Petit Chou, which I am pretty sure is French for My Little Cabbage. Yes, it's an endearment. Many people have used in various contexts in uh, Check, Please, Fic. This, however, is an Mpreg story by Will Bake for Dean, one word, the only cap is in the W of the word will. So the series is called Mom Petite Shoe, and uh, the first fic is called Mom Petite Shoe, and the second fic is called Would You Like Butter and Sour Cream With That? A Potato Story. And these are ABO mpreg fic. So ABO, I probably don't have to tell anybody, means alpha, beta, omega. And it is this concept that has proliferated in fanfic over the past 10 years about a social and inherent genetic system where some people are alphas who do impregnating and some people are omegas who are impregnated. Sometimes there's betas and what they do in different stories really varies based on the author's interests, but it doesn't matter for these particular fanfics. The reason why I think these stories are so weird is not because they're ABO stories. Like, that's very standard in fanfic these days, and there are plenty of them in Shaq Please fandom. So it's not like it's so rare or it's so bizarre. Oh my God, who could write this? It's the tone. It's like the material substance of these fics is so 
detail-oriented and process-oriented. The things that the characters in these stories are obsessed with are like so minute and so specific that there's something just like really sincere and really endearing about it. The way that characters make decisions and the things that happen to them in these stories is just like so incredibly particular. I feel like this author either has the biggest imagination of anybody I've ever met in my life, or they are writing so specifically from their own experience that it's like palpable. So what do I mean? It's like when Biddy is making a wedding registry, the things that he's picking out that are like going on the wedding registry are just like very specific, very exact. Like the discussions that Jack and Biddy have about like the table settings in their house or like the car they're going to buy or like the playlist they're going to use when Biddy is in labor. And this labor is described in just like loving graphic detail over like four chapters of like breathing patterns being counted out with like precision. And now this is an experience that has nothing to do with my life whatsoever, but something about like the particular detail and like the specific just like loving care that this whole experience is written through is, I don't know, there's just like something that I really appreciate about it, even though this isn't the kind of fanfic that I would inherently be into, partly because I really don't like fanfics where Biddy is basically just like treated like a powerless subservient entity. Like, not even for kinky purposes. It's, like, just not something I'm into. I'm, like, creeped out by the idea of Biddy being an Omega. Because it's, like, he already doesn't have power in this relationship in so many ways. I just find it, like, deeply unsettling. There's a scene where, I don't know, Jack is, like, a paid spokesperson for some like peanut butter brand it's like they're filming commercials they want jack and biddy to like film a commercial where biddy is like making jack a peanut butter sandwich because i guess it's like common knowledge that like this is what they do the brand of peanut butter is like the brand that biddy uses and also like when they're making the sandwich in the commercial like they have to use biddy's jam because bit like jack will not eat a sandwich that like doesn't have biddy's jam on it it's just like nobody in the fucking real world would be like yeah please have have your omega bring his jam to like our commercial sets but there's just something like deeply invested in the myth of Jack and Biddy's like peanut butter love sandwiches that comes through in a total misunderstanding of like how sponsorship deals work. The sequel, 
would you like butter and sour cream with that? A potato story is fascinating to me because it's like pretty much the same story, like all of the same beats, only about like Kent and, and Tater. Like there's a throwaway part in Mom Petite Shoe where Kent Parsons shows up and it like turns out that he's an Omega and Biddy is like, oh, I didn't know he was an Omega and now I like him or whatever. Then the author was like, oh, well, I guess this gives me a good reason to like tell a whole story about Kent Parson and Tater. And the story just like, like even the labor like follows like the same beats only and this is the thing that's like so charming about this you can tell that the author is just like not as into potato because it's like instead of four loving chapters about like biddy's labor this this is like a chapter and a half of like let's hit all the same beats but like not with the same like emotional investment it's like they don't go through like you know the cycle of contractions like as like down to the minute you know, this is what I mean when I say, like, I'm not here to spork fanfics. It's like something about this weird-ass story that has nothing to do with my own life that I can't relate to at all. Something about just, like, the author's, like, demented conviction, I just find great. Even though, like, do I think these are good fics in the sense that, like, the language is, you know, just, like pure and profound to my ears? No. But something about the affect of these stories, just like, you know, the spirit of the author's interest or lack thereof is really compelling to me. I just find it fascinating. But my first fic is Surface by, I think it's pronounced Zara, Z-A-A-R-A, which is a basically gen fic right after Jack Zimmerman's overdose that centers on Alicia and kind of her experience as a partner in a marriage who is struggling with that marriage now that their child has OD'd and who is struggling as a mother. And there's something kind of incredible about this fic, in part because it posits that Alicia is a person with emotions and feelings, which weirdly surprisingly rare in the Czech Please fandom oeuvre, let's say. Um, understandably, she barely shows up in the canon. How could you know anything about her? But I find this fix loving attention to detail and especially to Alicia and what it's like to parent imperfectly, I think is incredible, especially because, again, imperfect relationships are not always explored in the canon right? A lot of things go right in the canon, but pre-canon things went very, very wrong to the point where Jack, you know, almost died. At least this is what's implied in fandom classic, The Hockey Prince. And so this is a really interesting exploration of the realistic possibility that in the face of something unthinkable happening, you not only don't know what to think, but don't know what to do. And then when you try, you might get it wrong. And there's something really like lovely about that to me. There's something really amazing about this because we see Alicia and Bob together in, in sort of the capacities that we see them in, fan, in the canon, which is mostly they pop into a strip 
Um, I think most of their conversations are on blog posts. They're in the sort of headers of blog posts. And they seem like a pretty supportive, successful, whatever that means, couple. And there's something incredible about seeing them start to completely fall apart because they cannot deal with this thing that's happened. Alicia interacts with Kent in these kind of painful ways. She interacts with Bob in these incredibly painful ways. And then she interacts with Jack in these extremely painful ways. But ultimately the fic is hopeful, but because it's hopeful coming out of this like extremely difficult circumstance, I don't feel the way that I feel sometimes when I read hopeful check, please fanfic that makes me feel like, I don't care about these people. They should like go be miserable somewhere else. Instead, it makes me really excited. And because I think it explores emotional difficulty and I don't know the realities of what it would mean to be a very high profile family where something horrible happens and then everyone gets it wrong. I don't know. There's something really great about that. And there's something about the sort of pragmatics of being a high profile wife and how powerless that can make you that I think is explored in a really nice way. So I do think it's quite well written. I actually think this is like a quote unquote good fic in the sense that it has an interesting narrative arc and like clean lovely prose. But I think what kind of makes it weird is that it's asking questions that the canon explicitly encourages you not to ask. And I think that's really interesting. I think poking at the smoothed over after effects of trauma to get at the site of trauma is something that Check Please specifically no longer wants you to do. And if it ever wanted you to do, there has been a lot of work to erase as much as possible of that impulse in the canon and in the paratexts, in the tweets that Ngozi's deleted and in blog posts that kind of got deleted, et cetera. So I love that this fic goes back and asks what happened and how much did it suck? And the answer is a lot, but in a really beautiful way. So I think this fic is great. Everyone should read it. So what's weird about it? Is it just that it positions itself differently in regard to the text of Check, Please? There's something meta about it in the sense that it not only is positioning itself in opposition, I would even say, to the sort of like narrative... The things that Check, Please Canon wants you to think about, it's in opposition to those things. But I think it's also in opposition to the way that this fandom tends to write about OD. It's not weird in the way that you've described it, where it's like really bizarre. Like, I would not say that this is fic. That's this fic. I have a couple fics that kind of go in that vein. This is not one of them. But I think what's really weird about it is that it is unexpected based on the questions that canon and fan, like most of the other fanfic about this period are asking you to think about. Even other fanfics about Jack's OD kind of don't dive into like, and how bad was it? Often it's like, and how bad was it with Kent? Or, and how bad was it in the moment of the OD? Or, and how bad was it to have to go to Samuel and be a little old and feel awkward? But there's not a lot about the family dynamics. And I think there's like a profound understanding in this fanfic about what happens in a family dynamic and about addiction that is just extremely rare in fanfic. Like I very rarely read fanfic about addiction that speaks to me. I like the way that this fic handles it. And I think that that is sufficiently strange because it doesn't skate over the difficult work. Like there's something about Alicia in this fic where she has to start changing her mind about things and she has to start changing how she thinks and approaches things, which is real. That's like a real thing you have to do when someone in your family has an addiction problem, potentially. Part 
of that process. You have to figure out what to change and how to change it. And that is a really difficult and ugly process. I guess what I'm trying to get at is that this fic is like very willing to be ugly. And I think that that is not common in Check Please fanfics at all. If it was ever a possibility for the canon, it's gone. I think that's kind of what makes it weird is that it kind of gets into it. So the next thing I'd want to bring up actually builds on some of what you're talking about with the surface story about Alicia. It is a series that is called Call Me Son, and then in parentheses, one more time. And it is written collaboratively by Blythely Bonnie, Summer Frost, and Verbina. And each of these authors has their own strengths. They all bring something different to this series in terms of the segments of it that they're writing. It's incomplete right now. I don't know when or if it'll be finished. 11 out of 12 projected fix have been published. The premise here is basically that Bob Zimmerman and Kent Parson have been sleeping together since Kent Parson was a teenager. So it starts with what's a very, like, blatant, tropey, itty kind of hot because it's wrong, older man, younger man, daddy thick premise. When this sick was published, there was nothing about these two characters in the fandom. But there's all sorts of different, like, taboo things happening here. Now, when they first start sleeping together, Kent is, like, of the age of majority. So it's not pedo. But we are talking about a much older, much more powerful man effectively taking advantage of a younger sort of emotionally volatile kid in a way that's read as like kinky and traumatic at the same time. And that's a really powerful combination. So it's weird at the outset, but some of what it does is it inverts this weirdness to make a couple of different points. One is about the toxicity of hockey culture and the way in which all of the characters, Jack, Bob, Kent, even Alicia to a certain extent, have all been warped by this toxic system. So it's doing some of what Surface is doing as well in that it's addressing the point that Check Please always said it was addressing, which is that hockey causes traumas in and of itself. And it really examines, like, what does that mean? So you have various concepts of closetiness happening. You have Alicia struggling to find an identity for herself as somebody who has had to live with hockey in the forefront of her experience for decades of her life. You have tension between Jack and Kent and Jack and Bob and Jack and Biddy 
everybody is angry at each other for something. Bob carries around a huge amount of shame. He sees to a certain extent that like Jack can be a better version of him, but he's also disappointed that Jack is not. What's interesting about this fic series is that every character except for Kent up to this point has had like a point of view installment and the way in which every character projects onto Kent Parson and twists him into whatever they need him to be to tell their own story about their own point of view is just really well done, really sickly fascinating, and also really telling about the way that hockey just like uses people, twists them into physically, emotionally, spiritually vessels for performance in a kind of like codified spectacle. So when Alicia thinks about Kent and interacts with Kent, she's thinking about him as a particular kind of like damaged person who's also been used and disposed of by Bob. So she relates to him as a certain kind of companion. She's also coming from a milieu where, you know, young, beautiful men are part of the fashion industry. So she's thinking about, like, projecting her ideas of what it means to be, like, young and, like, used up onto this kid who's a hockey player. So she sees one thing. On the other hand, Biddy sees something else because he's frustrated and thinks that Kent Parson, much like in canon, is somebody who's interrupting his story and like getting in the way of what it is that he's trying to do and accomplish. And he sees Kent as like a wrench in the works up until the point when he sort of realizes and internalizes the way in which like Bob has used somebody who was in a vulnerable position and he has to carry both like pity and contempt with him when he thinks about Kent. It's just like the way in which every character kind of like molds this person into their own concept is really powerful. And in the background of all of this is like, that's really what we do in fandom, isn't it? With every character, but especially with Kent Parson, because he's just this cipher character who everybody turns into whatever it is that they want him to be. Because of the writing skills of the authors, but also because of the kind of reception it got, it morphed from something that I think started as just kind of like a one-off, like kinky thing into something that's like a really well-constructed, really intelligent, and just like really delicious to read series of, of writing. What is he that builds stronger than either the Mason, the Shipwright, or the Carpenter? By Jamie C? Jamie Sai? I'm no I, James E. I don't know. J A M E S I E E. This was written for 
Check Please Halloween Fest, and it's pretty short. It's only 3,400 words, 3,500 words, but it's about Jack and Biddy as serial killers. And there's something kind of just, first of all, bananas about throwing these very earnest and in love characters into a place where they're like digging graves to throw their murder victims. There's also something kind of disgusting about it. Like they have sex, I think, where they're burying the bodies because who wouldn't when you were burying the bodies with your murder partner? And there's something that's very funny and also creepy about Biddy gently admonishing Jack for pulling on his leg hair too hard while they're like (laughs) burying their murder victims. I don't know. There's something kind of great about it. I also think there's something about this like completely bonkers situation, which allows the sweetness of the characters to be highlighted in a way that I am not satisfied by when they're not serial killers. So there's something about the romance here where I'm like, oh, great. Uh, maybe they'll eat their next victim, hope it's good for them, like that I just don't feel when I'm seeing Jack and Biddy in the canon. I think similarly to the fic that we've talked about thus far, this is weird because it posits that a canon which is all sweetness and light is in fact about characters who have the potential to become murderers and to find murder and death and blood like quite sexy apparently. Um, this is a this is a fandom classic trope. Like serial killers are a thing in fandom for whatever reason, right? But there's something kind of like wonderful about the way that taking the toxicity that I think you can read into the canon, but that the canon consistently refuses to engage with, and then externalizing that to the point of murder, which then allows these characters to like be in love with each other in a way that I find convincing. Uh, which, by the way, the canon has not fully convinced me of. So I don't know. There's something kind of great about that. They do actively murder someone in the fic as well. (laughs) They murder someone together who, like, stumbles across them while they're, you know, like, making out in their murder yard or whatever. And there's something about the description of this, like, brutal murder that's very romantic that I am simultaneously repulsed by, but because it feels like a commentary on the saccharine sweetness of the canon that I get, like, I'm just very into it. So there's something meta about it as well. They, they're like murder partners, but they, but they don't, like Jack doesn't know Biddy's real name either. He's just like this person who comes out of the woodwork and just murders people with Jack in this romantic scene. After which point he like walks away again. And there's this detail where the bugs start making noise again like in the field where they're burying this body. And there's something about the the sort of way that Biddy takes up Jack's attention. And then when he leaves the like crickets and maggots that are just like in the field start making bug noises again that I find really gross and really interesting. Also, there's the beginning and ending. Jack digs in, step, wiggle, lift, throw, repeat. And I love that a wiggle is part of his digging routine. That's pretty great. So to round out my list, I know this is awkward, but um, I have to talk about one of your fix. You know, I don't know. It's this high concept. I don't know what to tell you. It is an AU of an AU. I guess it's not technically an AU. So Tomato has a fic verse called Guest House Fic, where Jack has been bad. And so Biddy banishes him to go live in the guest house. And they have two children. 
who in guesthouse fic verse prime have basically been had with a, a surrogate adoption hybrid situation in the AU of guesthouse fic. It's an MPREG story where Jack had the kids. So already you're like, oh, we have an AU of like a hyper niche future fic gone wrong where like Zimbits have problems. What's so amazing about this story is that it is based around the following concept. Jack is pregnant with their son, their second child. Their daughter, whose name is Ophelia, is, you know, like, I don't know, four or five, I guess. And she has noticed that Kent Parson is doing promotional spots for the American fast food chain Long John Silver's. I have never been to a fucking Long John Silver's. It is a pirate-themed fried fish restaurant. I believe they have scampi. God knows what else they serve. I've looked at the menu. I didn't soak it in. I've never been to a fucking Long John Silver's. I don't know where to find one. But he's doing basically like spots during hockey games, wearing an eye patch, and Ophelia, whoever, is just like completely fucking obsessed with Kent Parsons' Long John Silver's guest spots. So Biddy and Jack use their child's like fascination with these awkward commercials to lure Kent Parson into an impreg three-way. That is all just the background for what is basically just like a passive aggressive dom sub dynamic tour de force. Allow me to read an excerpt. The flight is boring. He munches on complimentary pretzels and wishes he'd sprung for first class. It's stupid, frankly, not to, although his financial advisor frequently congratulates him for being the biggest cheapskate in the NHL. Ha ha, Frances always says, elbowing Kent in the side. Cheapskate. They land roughly. Kent scatters the last of his pretzels across the lap of the woman next to him. Cool, she says, lips pursed like a true Vegas starlet. That's just really cool. You want me to get you more pretzels? He says dumbly. I've had enough of your pretzels, she says. Women don't usually do it for him anymore, but there's something about the disapproving twist to her mouth that gets him going a little, which is probably why when he sees Biddy waiting in the arrival section with his hands on his waist and a faintly disgusted mew playing around his mouth, Kent feels a spike of arousal stabbed directly through his prefrontal cortex and into his lizard brain. Fuck. Hey, Biddle, Kent says. It's just like this whole thing about the fucking pretzels hooked me because this woman he spills pretzels on does not come back, but it sets up the disinterested, judgmental, like completely disgusted, but also completely in control dynamic that Biddy exerts over the entire story. And like, yeah, they fuck. They literally have a three-way where basically Biddy is like, 
you have to fuck Jack. Like he's pregnant and it's disgusting. Like you have to. <laughs> and nobody in the story is happy. And Biddy is just getting off on like how awful the whole thing is. None of this sounds like check please fanfic, but it is the perfect example of a story that just like goes right into the weird ass situation and commits like all the way through. And I will admit that a lot of people are not into Mpreg. And if you are not into Mpreg, probably you won't enjoy this story. You may just think to yourself, this is so fucking bizarre, I don't even know what's going on. But the number of concepts that are just layered on top of each other is so goddamn convincing to me. I love it. I just like, think about this story all of the goddamn time. Kent is disgusted with himself the entire story through. But he like cannot stop himself from just like reveling in like how horny disgusting the situation is. Perfect. It is completely perfect. Thank you. Oh yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for writing that fucking fic when I was like, why don't you write something about Long John Silvers? We're going to have to go to a Long John Silvers. I think it's the problem. Yeah, we are. I've never been to one either. I don't even know where there is one. I don't know that I've ever seen one in real life. Um, I have been on a train that passed by one. <laughs> okay, you really noted. Um, I, so here's my problem. This might also be awkward. You're my favorite Checklist fanfic writer. And Thanks. every single one of your stories is fucking bonkers. I think you have this talent for pressing on the knot of an issue and then just like pushing your thumb in it and seeing what happens. And I'm really into that. So I've been struggling with a couple different fic. There's this fic called Get the Wine Pairings, which is the reason we became friends because I read it, thought it was amazing, and then... Oh no, I think you I think I read the model home and, te- and messaged you, but then I read Get the Wine Pairings and I was like, fuck, this is who Biddy is. I've never liked Biddy that much as a character, but now he's the only thing I can think about. So this is this fic is the reason that I'm in Checklist fandom. You also have this fic called Elegy for the Over Medium Egg, which is about Eric Biddy Biddle. Why did I read that? Because I'm looking at it on my screen. Because it's about Biddy and Jack in their marriage after Jack transitions. And Biddy is not happy in their marriage and Jack isn't happy either because it's like really hard to be married to a gay man when you're a woman, but you're in love and you built this light together. And also you bought this yacht this one time. Anyway, it's complicated. And then (laughs) Shitty sleeps with Jack on the beach and it's incredible because there's like something about Jack just really, really badly wanting to be wanted and shitty being the person who can do it for her. Um, whereas her husband like is not, obviously he loves her and obviously they built this life together and they've made compromises together over this time. But like, ultimately he's not into women. And so it's really hard for them to find any kind of satisfaction with each other in particular ways. And there's something about the tenderness and the fragility of like Jack and shitty having sex on a beach getting sand in uncomfortable places, but also in the, it's really affirming at the same time that it's breaking down further Jack and Biddy's marriage. I don't know. It's just really good. It's just really thoughtful. 
I also love that Shitty and Lardo have a sort of like, yeah, okay, marriage, that's pretty great. Um, and I just, I don't know, maybe it's also because we've talked a lot about this fic verse and sort of like all the things that Jack has to do in order to become comfortable with herself and all of the ways that Biddy wants Jack to be sort of like performing femininity and womanhood in ways that Jack just doesn't want to do. And that all kind of culminates in this fic where it's just like, what do you do with this impossible problem of you've built a life with this person and now neither of you are who you thought you were, but you have a yacht. Like, what are you going to do about it? And the answer is, fuck your best friend on a beach. And I just love that as the conclusion. And I really love, no one's trying to hurt each other, but no one can satisfy each other. And there's something really just like delicious about that, that I just want to sink my teeth into that I think really says something about check please and the sort of thinness of the canon you know i also just to shout out a brief social history of the omega separatist movement and samuel master in 1978 is completely fucking bananas and i love it uh check it out and then there's this one other fic that you wrote well there's a lot of fic that you've written here that's brilliant and bizarre but there's one fic that you wrote where I have to find it. It's Jack swallows a toothpick. Here's the thing. I just love that. I like reread those like 500 words over and over again because there's something amazing about Biddy making this like 1950s hors d'oeuvre that Jack just fucking swallows and swallows the toothpick with it. Anyway, there's a lot of other stuff you've written that's really good, but I just had to shout out those things in particular, I guess. I believe I asked you what to write, and you were like, why don't you just write about Jack swallowing a toothpick? Because I was like, okay. That's okay. true. But you did well. <laughs> I don't know. Here's the thing, is that I had a roommate who swallowed a toothpick, and I had to go to the emergency room with him, and it was a whole situation. But thinking about Jack Zimmerman, like, who's paid to move his body and pay attention to things with his body. Thank you. Um, that's very nice to hear. I wrote that um, elegy for the over-medium egg fic, um, and indeed all of the fix in that verse, because I noticed that every story about transitioning in Shekley's fandom seems to be about transitioning to male and I understand why that is what people write and I certainly am empathetic. The thing in fandom that's interesting to me is to try to think out, all right, everybody does this one thing. What would it feel like if you did it the other way. So everyone who wants to write fic about trans issues basically looks at the canon and says, all of these characters are men. Ergo, if I want to write a fic about trans issues or transition, I need to write about these characters having transitioned to male so that they can effectively get to the point that they're at in canon through the transition. The problem that I'm effectively trying to work out when I write, like, you know, Lady Jack fix is just like, all right, well, what if this were inverted so that all of the conditions of canon 
stand on their own, but we switch it so that we're starting at the status of canon and transitioning outward from where things are within canon now. It's not writing an AU, it's writing a speculative future fic that takes the idea that the character's story is continues beyond the end of Chuck Please itself. And I guess in some ways I would use this point to kind of pivot back around to what we're saying here, which is what's interesting about fanfic is usually, at least to me, not reiterating what is in canon, but transforming what is in canon so that you are using it to expose a new truth or a new concept about the characters or about the story. You mentioned the idea of Jack knew first when we were talking about Jack Please fanfics. And yes, this is a theory essentially that throughout the text of the comic leading up to Zimbits becoming canon, Jack knew that Biddy liked him and also knew that he liked Biddy and had been working through like all of year two to effectively try to seduce Biddy. And this got jost because Ngozi effectively established that yes, Jack liked Biddy, but he didn't know. So it was possible that he was essentially in love with Biddy, but entirely unaware of it for a whole year of his life. So I guess in a sense, in writing about like Jack transitioning later in life after the end of an NHL career, what I'm positing is effectively like another version of the same thing. Jack's own feelings and personal truths are somewhat unknown even to Jack. Yeah, I think that's why it's so good. That's something that I really feel is believable about Jack, that he is opaque to himself. And I think there's, or she's opaque to herself in this case. And I think there's just something really lovely about that. I don't know. I mentioned a couple times over the course of this conversation that it's often opaque to me what it is that I actually want in a fanfic until it just sort of magically appears in front of me and I realize like, oh, this is the thing that I didn't know to ask for. I think probably what I can say I do really love in fanfics is the situation that you're describing where two characters are basically at an impasse and neither of them is more correct than the other. So many times in life, you get to a place where two people cannot simultaneously be satisfied because the things that you want are in conflict with each other. And one of the things that's most unrealistic about Check, Please is that everything all of the characters want is the same at all times, with maybe one really notable exception. And that's just not how life is. And it's not what I want to read about in fiction. So I guess what I'd want is more Check, Please fanfics that effectively take the position 
that sometimes a conflict between two characters is that the things that they want are contradictory and there's no possible situation where both characters can be entirely satisfied. Everybody's going to have to give something up. For me, because it undercuts the sort of saccharine quality of the relationships in canon, that actually is more satisfying. Like I find, well, we'll get into it as I keep saying, but I find the end of Check, Please to be excruciatingly depressing. And I think that these fics that question that ending or or if they were written before the ending that question the obvious trajectory the ending was going to take to be really cathartic and interesting and often more satisfying because they deal with kind of the difficult reality of what it means to be human in a way that I tend to find much more hopeful. Like I think that this unhappy situation that you've written about in um, Elegy for the Overmedium Egg is like more hopeful and affirming of humanity than the ending of Check, Please, where Jack and Biddy get married. And like, maybe that's just who I am as a person or whatever, but I just really look for stories that reflect something about, it doesn't have to be quote realistic. It doesn't even have to be gritty. Like I like a good fantasy, whatever, if I think it's well done, but there's something about the humanness of trying hard to meet someone where they are and never quite getting there that I find like way more affirming than two people being completely on the same page and totally able to communicate. I think that that's a nice fantasy and if people appreciate it, then that's awesome, but it just doesn't work for me personally. So there's something really wonderful about like weird fic that just like throws stuff at the wall and sees what sticks. And sometimes what sticks is a really weird marriage or a really weird speculative future or like Jack and Biddy are serial killers and they're just like really getting off on killing this dude or whatever, you know? And I think that there's something really great about that. Do you have a fic that you most enjoyed writing in this fandom? I know that this, I know that no one voted for us to discuss our fics, but I want to know. So I'm going to ask. Well, you want to know what's so interesting about using polls to determine what, um, what to talk about on bonus episodes is that eventually we're going to run out of, you know, weird fanfic that that option's expired. So, you know, eventually we're going to run out of, we're only going to be left with talking about our fanfic. Um, no, actually, I have like a couple of different I don't know. They're not AUs necessarily. Like even sort of like Lady Jack fic is not inherently an AU because it's taking place, you know, 15 years-ish after the canon ends. So there's nothing within the text stating that this doesn't happen 13 years down the road. So it's not an AU and that's not a good term for it. But I have a couple of basically different like, I don't know, series or verses that I'm just really satisfied by. I do really like writing Lady Jack. You know, some of that is just that like, it's grim. Some of it is unfortunately just that it's a way of examining my own personal bullshit. And some of it is just that, I don't know, it's, I don't know, it's like the the feelings are pretty raw and that's nice. 
I'm really into MFA verse, which is this weird AU that Tomato came up with that I basically all of a sudden went, oh my God, and just like started building out like alongside her where all the Check Please characters are getting MFAs at Samwell. I think that is just going to be like the splashiest, most fun, like AU series to just write like fic after fic after fic. I've started writing like three different fics. One of them I'm like pretty dumb with. I just need to like find a way to kind of sew it up and then pass it over to a beta who like two months ago said they'd beta read it. But I don't have like one thing that I'm most like writing. I don't know. Do you have one thing that you most like writing? Probably not. I mean, everything that I write is my favorite thing while I'm writing it, and that's why I'm writing it. And then once it's over, I'm like, oh, yeah, I did that, I guess. Oh, what a nice thing to say. I learned a lot while I was writing the Lysistrata. I wrote this fic called Lysistrata. I hardly know her. I think that's what it's called. Um, and it I is, learned yeah. a lot. Yeah, thanks, thanks. I learned a lot writing that fic. So I feel like that fic was really gratifying to write because it taught me a lot about narrative. And that's usually what I'm trying to do. I'm usually trying to figure something out about writing and that's why I write or trying to, I mean, it's like a combination of figuring something out about writing and examining my own bullshit. So, you know, some combination. I'm into guest house fic too, but that's really, really, really slow going. Someday I'll finish those fics. I don't know. But, uh, but I like thinking about the dark world where Jack lives in the guest house and then the like much darker world where Biddy is just like <laughs> constantly getting Kent to do semi humiliating things. <laughs> um, that's nice for me. I'm really excited about MFA fic. I am just like, oh, I hope we get to a point where you write stories about like Dex's gay lobster novel and just, I'm honestly, part of what I'm excited about is the way that like the group dynamic can be reintegrated into MFA verse as a concept. And I'm just really excited to write all these little side pieces and like side vignettes about like the micro experiences of all of these different people existing in like the universe we're familiar with, but like a different part of it. Yeah, I'm excited about MFA verse too, which is funny because I thought of it and then I was like, I could never write that. Ugh. And then you started talking about it and I was like, oh my God, I need to write Dex's like lobster novel about tenderly making love in the shadow and the splinters of the stack of lobster crates behind his father's, you know, garage or something. Like, I just really want to write about that. Ugh, I'm really just into like fuckboy nursey and like... <laughs> yeah, it's going to be... Ridiculous. Anyway, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm really excited about group dynamics. I'm really excited about the ways in which groups fail to communicate or do communicate, but it still goes weird. So that's kind of what I'm into. And I'm into absurdity and like things that I think are funny, which is not always in keeping with check please at large, but that's fine for me. I'll just keep writing shit. I think it's funny anyway. I want to guess that we have been doing this podcast tonight for about two and a half hours. Oh, Jesus, really? Oh, oh I don't know. I mean, there's no way to know until the file compresses and you open it up and you see how long it is. I guess that's time to wrap up our special bonus app about weird fanfic. Hope you're glad you voted for that. We'll return next time talking about 1.15, Lardo, which is the beginning of the second semester of Biddy's first year at Samwell. 
That is a strip that like is not in and of itself interesting at all. It's like really pretty boring. But I feel like I have a lot of things to say about it because it opens up a lot of issues that proliferate throughout the rest of the comics. So I'm pretty pleased that that's where we're heading. And uh, yeah, if you want to review the past 20 episodes of Chuck Displeased, you can check us out on Podbean, on Tumblr, where we're just checkdispleased.tumblr.com. You can find us on Spotify, my understanding is that the uh, Apple Podcast Store submission process has been initiated. So uh, maybe one day we'll pop up there. I am on Tumblr as Camillier, C-A-M-I-L-L-I-A-R. And I'm also on AO3 as Familiar, where you can read some, if not all, of the aforementioned fanfics. I'm tomatowrites.tumblr.com or tomato underscore greens on AO3, where you can read this mpreg threesome fic, which I now regret putting in one of those sort of like Tumblr piece catch-all fics. But it's too late because there it is. So you can go find that on your own time. Tomato, we we have put 20 episodes of Check Displeased in the can. I still think that this is one of the like highlights of my week. So thanks for uh, initiating this project. Oh yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for coming along with me. And thank you listeners for coming along to our self-congratulatory podcast. Genuinely can't believe that 22 of you not only listen, but care enough to vote in our poll. And I can't thank you enough for, I don't know, listening to me make whatever noises that I make every, <laughs> every episode. Uh, it means a lot. Not to get too sentimental here on my Check Please podcast. Ugh. All right. Well, that's enough feelings for me. I guess I'll say bye. Yeah. Bye. See you next time when we meet back here for episode 21 about 1.15. Lardo. Especially because we see Alicia and Jack. Oh my God, Alicia and Jack. Oh no, Alicia and Bob. <laughs> ah, Alicia and Bob. <laughs> uh oh, Alicia and sorry, <laughs> really. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh no. All right. Especially because I need to stop saying especially as well. Let me reset here. <laughs> okay, my apologies. You're going to have to follow up your uh, Lizestrata fic with, like, basically a, an Oedipus. <laughs> oh, Jack's, Jack's too gay for Oedipus, but I'll see what I can do.